0: Hi everyone, I'm Debbie from Property Apprentice. Join me today for the week in review where I talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, first of all, the 18th of July, why the New Zealand housing market is nowhere near crash point. Topic number two, on the 11th of July, high inflation brings new challenges for home buyers. Third topic: RNZ on the 19th of July, landlords urged to make rentals warm and dry before the final date. Fourth topic, goodreturns.co.nz on the 18th of July, answers to climate risk and housing getting closer. Topic number five on stuff on the 19th of July, Wellington homeowners wanting the best price shouldn't sell now, expert says. So first off, the first topic for this week in review, we've got one roof on the 18th of July, why the New Zealand housing market is nowhere near crash point. According to experts the current fall in house prices don't constitute a property crash. CoreLogic's head of research Nick Goodall believes that the latest mortgage sales figures could be a sign of pain coming since there's been an increase in the number of people who are forced to sell their property since they can't afford repayments. CoreLogic figures show that as of April 1st, there were 21 mortgagee sales, up from a low of just six for the previous quarter, and six was the lowest number recorded by CoreLogic since 2005. Although 21 is a decent jump from six, it's still very low in the longer term context. Goodall also emphasised that some of the sales could be from construction industry liquidations. In addition, 2020 saw more mortgagee sales every quarter, so what we're facing is not a cause for concern. Goodall's team's been tracking data on mortgage arrears. There aren't any major signs that show large portions of people being at risk of a mortgagee sale. However, this could change as we move through the downturn. His definition of a crash depends on how far the market drops overall and the rate of the drop. This means price drops below a sustainable level combined with a recession and job losses. If the definition of a crash was a drop of 6-10% to on a quarterly basis, Goodall says you could argue parts of the country were already crashing. But there's no set definition of a crash in New Zealand. Nationally, the price drops we're seeing are on the back of a boom phase. He said what we need to look out for are inflationary pressures which are forcing people to pay more for their mortgages and reduce their spending. This could mean less money going to businesses which could impact their financial situation. Goodall says you could argue that there was a short crash during the global financial crisis as prices dropped around 10% over 17 months and there was a significant lift in mortgagee sales over that time culminating in 777 in the third quarter of 2009 with 2,618 for the whole of that year. However the situation now is totally different from the global financial crisis despite the rise in mortgagee sales. Independent economist Tony Alexander agrees that widespread mortgagee sales are a telltale sign of a crash, but this hasn't happened yet. There's no panicked selling from property owners and buyers are standing back for different reasons. Some can't get finance or are worried about higher interest rates. Others are wary of new builds because of stories about developers going broke or prices simply getting too high. Alexander thinks that the majority of mortgagee sales are from the property development sector. In the last two or three years, people who are inexperienced have overcapitalised on their ventures and will likely get burnt off. He believes that the housing markets in most countries, including New Zealand, are just seeing a pullback from an unsustainable surge in prices in 2021. Even if prices were to fall 20%, which I don't think they will, but if they did, Alexander believes that this won't cause a correction because we saw a surge in prices last year, which was well above 20%. He also explained that neither the GFC nor the late 1990s dot-com era was a property crash. He said even around 87, when interest rates were through the roof and the share market crashed by 60%, house prices around New Zealand largely just flattened out around that time. They stopped rising for a while. Even in the 1970s, when real house prices fell 40%, it was stretched over a longer period of time. Alexander added that in terms of a property crash, you may need to go back in history to periods like the Great Depression or even a time further back, which is irrelevant to any modern analysis. Should there be a crash, he anticipates that it would happen fast and in a shorter period of time than an upturn. House price falls will largely be over by the end of this year. Brad Olson, a principal economist for Infometrics, says that the ballpark numbers for him for a crash would probably be a 10% drop in prices from peak to trough. But even for him, a 10% crash is nothing compared to a 40% sore. Topic number two, good returns on the 18th of July. High inflation brings new challenges for home buyers. Higher inflation might add pressure for everyone in the home buying business, according to a number of mortgage advisors. Some commented that as people need to spend more for their daily needs, potential borrowers might not be able to reach the threshold and become eligible for a loan. Banks also tend to stress test at higher rates. These comments came as the CPI rose by its highest annual rate in 32 years of 7.3%. The driving factors behind this were rising household and transport costs. The construction costs for new dwelling increased 18% in the year until June, and the cost of petrol rose by 32%, which could affect the finances of house buyers. Tauranga advisor Rupert Goff of the Mortgage Lab said that the cost of living for mortgage clients will have risen. Keeping costs down and meeting the requirements of a loan provider will be challenging for some people. Another advisor, Bruce Patton, believes that the latest inflation jump will cause banks to increase their stress test rates. The higher inflation rate could make the Reserve Bank even more hawkish than before, according to ASB economists. It's revised its official cash rate forecasts from 1 to 250 point rises this year, with a final resting point of 3.75. On the other hand, Westpac's slightly more dovish, forecasting just one more 50-point hike, with the OCR plateauing at 3.5. Kiwi Bank economists are also sticking at 3.5. ANZ's expecting the Reserve Bank to increase the OCR by 0.5 three more times, taking it to 4% by November. Regardless of what number prevails, the outcome will still be to push mortgage rates higher, even if the impact is sometimes delayed by people being on fixed-rate mortgages. Several economists think that the current state of imported inflation and home-grown inflation are worrying. Imported or tradable inflation rose to 8.7%, which is the highest level on record. Domestic inflation was 6.3%, also the highest on record. However, since imported inflation is beyond the government's control, domestic inflation is more likely to become the subject of strong political criticism. If you want to learn more about navigating the changes in the property market, feel free to join me at one of our free Beginner's Guide to Property Investment events, available online or in person in our office in Ellerslie, Auckland. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. Third topic, RNZ on the 19th of July, landlords urge to make rentals warm and dry before the final date. Compliance with healthy home standards are still lagging, more than two years since it took effect. Advocates say renters are feeling powerless from living in mouldy, drafty homes amid rental shortages. From July 2021, all boarding houses and private landlords need to ensure their rental properties complied with healthy home standards within 90 days of any new or renewed tenancies. From July 2024, all rentals must comply with the standards for insulation, heating, ventilation, moisture and drainage and draft stopping in a home. Better Property Compliance Chief Executive Matt Mason said while items like insulation were passing, there were recurring issues left unaddressed. Across the country, on average, only 46% of properties passed the draft stopping requirement. That's one in every two properties. Mason said about two-thirds of properties passed the drainage and guttering check. After a rush of property management firms getting up to date, private landlords are now scrambling as new tenancies have begun but this is causing some problems. Mason received feedback from the market that many of them are struggling to comply in time due to shortages in supply with things like draft stops, heat pumps and moisture barriers. Home testing group All Clear co-founder Adam Gordon said that he was seeing the same issues. Data from the company showed that 57% of homes that assessed were compliant in all of the five healthy home requirements. He believes that landlords need to get on top of things and not rely on tenants staying put. According to him, a number of owners think that 2024 is the deadline and there's still a lot of time between now and 2024. They don't act on the compliance with urgency, but they're forgetting about the whole renewal or every new tenancy. compliance within 90 days is required. Gordon said there needs to be more enforcement on private rentals. Renters United spokesperson Annie Bakova said with rental shortages in many parts of the country, it had become a lottery where the landlords decided to comply with the standards or not. She said tenants have the option to bring this up with the tenancy tribunal because there isn't somebody they could report it to and could look into the matter without their full involvement. That puts a lot on the line for people who need somewhere to live. She said she's heard of anecdotal stories of landlords and property management companies blacklisting tenants that complain or are likely to bring up issues, and this deters some tenants from speaking out. Real Estate Institute property management head Joanne Ray is certain that landlords are making progress. Property management organisations reporting back to her report that they have reached 70% completion when it comes to compliance. From the 1st of July 2021, all new or renewed tenancies need to comply with the healthy home standards from 90 days after the tenancy starts or is renewed. All private residential tenancies are required to comply by the 1st of July 2024. Okay, and the penalties for not complying can be quite significant. So if you're living in a cold and drafty home as a tenant, I highly recommend that you get in touch with your landlord to find out what their time frame is to to meet compliance, especially if it's a new tenancy or a renewed tenancy. And if you get nowhere with your landlord, then I absolutely encourage you to go to the tenancy tribunal and issue a 14 day notice to rectify or it it has to be at least 14 days notice to rectify because obviously with the shortage of some supplies that might not be possible okay but talk to your landlord is the first step fourth topic for today goodreturns.co.nz on the 18th of July answers to climate risk and housing is getting closer a project has been launched to look for answers into the link between house prices and climate change 60% of bank assets are in domestic real estate and most Kiwis live close to the coast, which means climate change is a big risk that can't be ignored. While New Zealand does not have uninsurable pockets of property near coastal areas, this might not be the case for long. Although the risk of flooding is a factor of life for many coastal communities, increasingly volatile conditions due to the changing climate may mean more serious and more frequent floods. As a means to prepare for this type of situation, the government has created a draft National Adaptation Plan, which is open for consultation. The plan is designed to aid communities all over the country to adapt to the unavoidable impacts of climate change, including moving people, property and infrastructure away from areas at high risk. In a podcast on interest.co.nz, insurance company Towers' Chief Executive Blair Turnbull said that the National Adaptation Plan and the Natural Hazards Bill that's going through Parliament's a good start in informing ourselves and responding. Belinda Story, who's done extensive work on property and climate change, agrees with Turnbull. Story, who is the Managing Director of Climate Sigma, said that climate change may not be having much of an impact yet, but it absolutely will. The insurance market isn't yet incorporating climate risk, or if it is, it's only including a small portion of it. Westpac Senior Manager for Sustainability, Olaf Adam, said that the reason why banks and insurance companies have not put retreat risks into their models is because of the high degree of uncertainty. He added that more information needs to be acquired so that they can make impactful decisions that affect people's lives. The work story does demonstrates how much property is overvalued relative to its climate risk. She emphasised that properties that are exposed to extreme weather events and damage have a time limit on them. Story said there's a strong preference to ignore or delay the problem amongst council and homeowners. There are those who prefer to build defences or bring in a public subsidy on insurance to give an impression that the problem can be fixed. Story is sure that the problem can't be fixed and all these measures do is serve to buy a bit of time. University of Otago Associate Professor Ivan diaz rainey and his team are looking for answers into the link between house prices and climate risk. Along with a team from a broad range of disciplines such as real estate, finance, climatology, Strand, Marsden Fund project will run for the next three years and examining housing data to see whether failing to account for future risks, has the potential to destabilise New Zealand's banking and finance industry. They began with a pilot study in South Dunedin, and what the project found was straight after the 2015 flood, where water levels threatened 1,000 homes and businesses, residential property prices slumped by 50%. But once people started realising it wasn't about climate change but maintenance of infrastructure, prices recovered. However, it was hugely disruptive. About 60% of the properties on the flat in South Dunedin were owned by investors and rented out. Many people were uninsured, and some landlords were reluctant to get their houses back into livable shape. Diaz Rainey said that the banks, insurers and regulators are aware of what property values are right now, and they want to know what they'll be in the future. However, given that the experts are using scenarios, there's a huge amount of data uncertainty. Towers Turnbull said that much of the risk can be avoided if councils across the country stop issuing consents that enable building in flood-prone areas. Diaz Rani and other experts can say a certain area is vulnerable and X percentage of properties are exposed, but it becomes a lot harder when a bank, a homeowner or insurer want to price an individual asset. Last topic for this week in review, on staff, on the 19th of July, Wellington homeowners wanting the best price shouldn't sell now, expert says. One real estate expert cautions Wellington homeowners not to sell their property in the current market and to avoid investing in renovations if they want to maximise their sale price. However, local agents disagree, saying the future trajectory of the market is unknown and homeowners should sell when the time's right for them. Accessing finance is a significant barrier for many buyers in the current market and the related fall in demand is putting downward pressure on prices nationwide, according to EXP Realty's New Zealand head, Maria Stevens. But the Wellington market, which accounted for 10% of homes sold, has fallen further away from the national average. Real Estate Institute's latest figures show that the median price for Wellington dropped to 848000 in June. That was a fall of 4.2% from 885 at the same time last year and 15% from the 995,000 at the market's peak last October. Sales were down 39.8% from the same time last year and the total monthly sales volume had dropped from almost 1 billion in November to just over 402 million in June. The region's median price was now below the national median of 850000 and it took a median of 50 days for a property to sell compared to 44 days for the rest of the country. Stephen said that the market is challenging for sellers and those who needed to sell within a set time frame should work with their agent to make sure their price expectations were aligned with the market. She suggested that those who are not in a rush to sell should take their property off the market until a recovery comes in and their price expectations are more achievable. She adds that sellers should not add value to their home through renovations like furnishings and landscaping, as the return of any investment is unlikely to be higher than the recovering cost of new carpets or curtains. But Tommy's real estate sales director, Nikki Cruikshank, said that was not so good advice because people should always sell when they're ready to do so. Real estate's a long-term investment and price movements within a year or two wouldn't make much of a difference for many. She added that if people are buying and selling in the same market, it makes no difference and they may be able to buy something at a lower price. At the moment, it's also possible for people to buy what they want rather than what they have to buy. According to Ray White Tower, to Pukirua Bay owner, Graham Barr, the present decline in prices in a quieter market meant that it's not a good time to sell for sellers compared to last year's booming market. However, nobody knows what the market will be like in the next six months. There's no telling if it's going to get easier or better, which means it'll be better to sell now rather than a year down the track. My personal opinion is that all of these people could potentially be right. Depends on which way you look at it. So, you know, if you have to sell, then obviously don't keep holding on because if things get worse, that's going to make it even worse for you when you run out of time. If you don't have to sell, if you're just thinking about selling, then yeah, makes sense that if you're after a certain price, sit out, you know, wait until the market starts to pick up again and sell it in a more buoyant property market. but then it's also true that if you're buying and selling in the same market, then uh, you can sell for a, a certain figure, and uh, potentially even while you're looking for another property, house prices might continue to to drop further and then you pick up another bargain so you know there's no right or wrong answer and the problem is that nobody in the real estate industry has got a crystal ball that actually works so all you can do is make the best decision for your situation at the time and get some good advice from the experts in that area at that given time. Okay, so you know, talk to a variety of different real estate agents if you're thinking of selling and pick the real estate agent who you feel most confident with that can back up their estimated sale price for you with some recent comparable sales. So thanks for listening to this week in review. For more information from us at Property Apprentice, feel free to check out some of our other podcasts or uh, come and join us at one of our free events at register at propertyapprentice.co.nz and I'll look forward to either seeing you online or in our offices in Alice in Auckland. Thanks for listening.